Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F. as in Fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, December 21st, 2021, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 11, A Vision for You, on page 154, on the fourth paragraph. We will be reading and commenting on just that one paragraph only, which begins there on the bottom of the page with, but what about his responsibilities and ends on the top of page 155 with, and lifted the receiver. Today's readers are Valerie B, Terry J, Katie G, Craig F, and Kathy S. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, December 20th, 2021 are 18,270 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 18270 and 18,271 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. That's 18271. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Valerie B. to read the OA 12 steps. Valerie B. Press star one to unmute. We can hear you. May I be heard? Now I can hear you, Valerie D. Go ahead. Okay, I was was reading away and nobody could hear me. Okay. Right. Go ahead. (laughs) Good morning. Um, One, we we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, 
were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Having had uh, 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Valerie B. I will now ask Terry J. to read the OA 12 tradition. Good morning. I'm Terry J., a compulsive overeater, abstinent for yesterday and working on today. And I'm reading the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to read from Michigan, and Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you, Terry J. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, 
then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we will be reading and commenting on the fourth paragraph only on page 154, which begins with, but what about his responsibilities and ends on the top of page 155 with, and lifted the receiver. I will now ask Katie G to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, my fellows. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. But what about his responsibilities, his family, and the men who would die because they would not know how to get well? Ah, yes, these other alcoholics. There must be many such in this town. He would phone a clergyman. His sanity returned, and he thanked God. Selecting a church at random from the directory, he stepped into a booth and lifted the receiver. Yeah, thanks be to God, right? Um, So his sanity returned. So to me, that tells me that Bill, he had his first thought, right? His first thought is um, this false psychotic belief, right, that I can control and enjoy my eating. And then because he's had a spiritual awakening as the result of these 12 steps, and he has a relationship with God, capital G, he has a second thought. His sanity has returned. And nothing will so much ensure um, immunity from eating as intensive work with other compulsive eaters. And I want to say that this is true not only when I have had food thoughts, but it's It's the insane other thoughts because I don't know about you, but I don't have um, food addiction like wasm, like they say alcohol wasm. I have alcoholism, like I separate myself. This is a current progressive chronic and fatal illness and I am recovered today from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body contingent on the maintenance of my spiritual condition. So yesterday, I, w- I lived on page 60 to 63. I had selfish and self-centered thoughts, and I acted them out, and I was unkind and manipulative, wow, to my husband, right? And so I knew in that moment that I needed a power greater than me to have a second thought and to help others. And so I had the privilege and honor of calling some people and saying, welcome, welcome to Overeaters Anonymous. Welcome home. How can I be of service? And because of that, because I had this second thought, because I was able to throw myself harder into helping others, I let go. I let go of this need, this chronic need that I have to be enough, to have other people affirm me, to like me, to value me, to tell me I'm wonderful. 
And I was able to get out of myself, let God have it, and then get direction. And I went back and I was able to make a proper amend. And my husband, I, my husband heard exactly what I said because I wasn't groveling and God spoke through me. I'm just so grateful that for today I am restored to sanity. And I think what's so important is that I remember that this disease is permanent, progressive, and as one of our fellows says, fatal. You know, like it's not getting any better. I may be recovered today, but my disease speaks to me quietly and in my voice. So it may not be speaking about food, but remember, food is just a symptom. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of my trouble. So please, God, help me hear that second thought today. Help me follow you and your will today. God is my solution. No my thought I pass. Thanks, Katie G. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So, if you haven't shared on A Vision for You on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the fourth paragraph on page 154, but what about his responsibilities through and lifted and lifted the receiver on the top of page 155, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Craig, yes. Was that Craig? Melissa C. Melissa C. is the first name I am actually writing Christina J. Christina J. Janice P.M. Janice. PM. And who was with Janice? Hell yes. Hey, Rebecca, Hell I don't mean to be a um, moderator, but Craig F. said his name first before everybody. Okay. I couldn't, I wasn't sure, so I'll put him at the bottom. Um, Leah, who was? Leah, okay. Okay, I think I'm already getting enough names, but there was someone after Janice who was an S, and and then I got Larry. Does the person who was an S want to speak up again? Or maybe it was Leia it was S. Kel- great. It Go was ahead. Kelly S. Kelly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So here's who I have. Melissa C., Christina J., Janice P. M., Kelly S., Larry. I should know your last initial, but I can't remember. Now, Charles, I don't know if you wanted to share or if you were just letting me know about Craig. And then Craig F and Leah S. Uh, I'm going to guess maybe, I don't know. We'll call on you, Charles, and see if you want to share. Okay, uh, Melissa C., go right ahead. Hi, good morning, Rebecca. Thanks so much for your service this morning. I'm Melissa C., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York, and um, I I love how this is the vision. This is the vision for me. This is the vision. This is what's going to keep me, um, hopefully, right, from that crazy second thought of of eating, right? And um, so Bill is, like, in this terrible situation, and um, rather than call a bunch of people and complain about his terrible situation, he reaches out to help another person because he feels the weight of the responsibility for all the other people who, if he drinks, won't benefit from from his 
recovery. And um, and I think that's my vision. That's what I have to come to understand, that I this recovery, is, it's a beautiful gift, but it's a gift. And, um, and the only way that I can, like, hang on to this gift is by giving everything away that I get from it. Um, and, you know, I... I've had my own, I think many of us have had our own experiences where things are not going great. And, you know, when I read this story, I think very much about there was a time when I was away with my family on a a camping vacation, but it was early in my recovery. And I thought, maybe I won't need to work with a lot of people because I'm away with my family after all. And something happened there. You know, my, my young teenage daughter at the time, always her, God bless her. Um, you know, did something, and I lost my mind for a minute. And suddenly, suddenly, I had this, like, it felt like a fantasy about an ice cream sandwich. I could picture the wrapper opening up, and and it freaked me out. And thank you, God, you know, I, my phone rang, and I answered it. I, I was saved. And, um... So that's the vision. Like, that's it. It's not analyze our problems. It's um, help me get out of myself and help me be useful to others. And um, thanks for that all pass. Thanks, Melissa C. from New York. Christina J. Morning, everyone. Christina J. from the State of Washington Recovered for today. Thank God um, I'm here on this line today. This weekend, I made some Christmas brownies for my office. Wasn't interested. Wasn't interested. They sat in the refrigerator till I took them to work. Wasn't interested. Still not interested, but they were calling uh, because I was off the beam yesterday. I fell off the beam, and uh, there is a fellow and several fellows that share about the disconnection from God and how painful that is, and that is what happened to me. You know, I'm human. I fall into myself. I don't even know I'm there. Um, But, you know, working this program, I remember when I first worked it through the Vision Big Book Study with another great sponsor in 2014, and I would do what she said. I didn't know what I was doing. I was total deer in the headlights in the beginning. You know, this program gets deeper and deeper and more spiritual and more spiritual as we go. Our souls deepen, our journey deepens as long as we stay and keep coming back if we fall off. But for some reason, back then, it worked. I remember being astounded that I was getting recovery, uh, and, and it was working just by doing what this book told me to do. I love it that this guy, you know, he has um, his sanity returned. <laughs> It's amazing. His sanity returned. I didn't have sanity for years. I had relapses. I didn't have any sanity around the food. It would call to me. The brownies called. I thought, well, you know, I can take a bite and taste them because I didn't taste them. Like, oh, I hope they're good. I hope they're good for these guys. And every time I would turn away from that thought because I knew I couldn't. But I was off the beam. I was in selfishness yesterday. I didn't make any calls. I made excuses for not making any calls. So this shit can happen to us. You know, I don't know about some of you, but it happens to me occasionally. Well, I just get very selfish, and I don't reach out. And you know what? I had misery last night in my sleep. I felt unconnected. I didn't do the work during the day that I needed to do. Sure, I had a little bit of connection here and there with my sponsees, but nothing like I needed to do. 
And so today I'm, you know, I'm going to work extra hard, get back on the beam, get back into feeling the connection to God. I did a big journal this morning to God. I prayed for all the things I was worried about and had a nice meditation. So <clears throat> it happens. You know, we're not perfect. We're human. The thing is, is I have you guys. I have this meeting. I have this book. Before this book, before this meeting, before you guys, I had nothing but the food. So thank you for letting me share, and I'll pass. Thanks, Christina J. from Washington State. Janice P.M. is next. Did you call me, Rebecca? I did. Hi. Oh. Is, is this Janice? <laughs> it is, Rebecca. I was just yeah, unmuting. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, sure. Thank you so much, and good morning to everyone. My name is Janice PM recovered in Massachusetts. Yeah. Um, boy, do I, do I, is this something that uh, Bill is trying to tell me and all of us? And it's just in two quick paragraphs. Of course, he couldn't drink. Well, that sounds to me like a recovered person that's trying to teach me. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're recovered and you still cannot drink. So he had that, that insane idea, like was just mentioned, can come at any time. You know, for example, I you know, ate a late dinner last night and there was something in the refrigerator that was small that maybe, you know, if I was in disease, I could say irrationalize. But, you know, that thought, I had to make a decision. And this is what it's showing me, that he made a decision. Well, in the disease, I can't make this decision because my, my I'm still thinking insanely. But he didn't. It shows he had, you know, he had to make a decision on what to do, what choice to make, or whether to go to the church directory or go to that gay bar, you know. And this is a, a lesson for each one of us. I'm always making a decision, whether I was recovered for a year, six months, 10 years, whatever. Every day is a decision. And this is what God's vision is. And this is what it looks like for me and for everybody, is that God used Bill by this brief historical account. You know, I, I am restored to sanity on a daily basis, a moment basis. As long as I am in spiritual condition, which means now, you know, I, I, I was in a rehab for a few months and um, I took my books and, and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't uh, call anybody because I couldn't even use my fingers, my hands, uh, my right arm was fractured. And um, so, you know, I didn't do this, uh, you know, I couldn't call, but there was a patient next to me in my the bed next to me that I said a prayer so that we could sleep at night. And that was God's power. See, I can't do this on my own. I have to have God's power to make that right decision. So this is what Bill is teaching me, teaching us that, you know what? Go through the steps. This is the second recovered step made it, I mean, between one, two, and three, knowing who I am, knowing that I'm never going to be cured no matter what. And then, asking that higher power and using, you know, that's the solution. And then uh, helping others, even if it means helping my son and with him, with me in my house. That's the hardest place to work these steps. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thanks, Janice. Ian from Massachusetts. 
I'm going to have Kelly S. next, but first I'll just tell people who got on late that we're reading, we read the fourth paragraph on page 154 in the Big Book of AA, but what about his responsibilities through and lifted the receiver? Kelly S. Hey, Rebecca, it's Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Eater and Bulimic in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, so yesterday I was reading this paragraph um, and I was like thinking, this, what does this remind me of? And I was like, I was like, I was thinking about the um, upon awakening um, prayer. I know Bill was already awake for a while, but you know, Bill's had this spiritual awakening. And I was thinking about when it talks about upon awakening, you know, we consider our plans for the day. Um, before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking to be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. Well, here he is. All these paragraphs, you know, he's in self-pity a dismal afternoon. You know, if he doesn't do do this, he might have a lonely weekend, right? He's into self-pity, you know. Um, and then this, the dishonesty that, oh, I could just sit here at the table, you know, and, you know, I've been sober long enough. That's the delusion, the, the lie I tell myself, you know. I'm okay. I've got this. I'm good, right? And so, you know, that's why every day I have to ask God to direct my thinking because no matter what, no, if spiritual awakening or not, these things, you know, this selfishness and self-centeredness are the root of my troubles. And so I'm going to go there, you know, poor me. And, um, you know, there he is, and he's, and he's into self-pity. He's into delusional, dishonest thinking, self-seeking, you know. And what, so what happens to him, you know? He, he says, you know, he starts thinking about other people, right? And he, then he returns and he thanks God, which means he, he prays, right? So he prays to God, he thinks of others, and then what happens? He takes action, right? I just always wanted God to zap that feeling away from me. He took action. And then just as we were sitting here sharing, I thought, um, Janice is sharing what brought my attention to, to me that's the step 10 promise because, you know, it talks about, you know, we will seldom be interested in liquor. It doesn't say never, but seldom. So when we are, if tempted, we recoil from it as a hot flame. Bill knew what to do, right? He had the idea. He knew what to do. He asked God, and then he got busy. You know, we hear that death of self. So this is about today I have to do God's work. You know, I have this gift. So what's my responsibility? To work with others and give this gift away. But I have to take the action, you know, and I have to get out of myself and take the action. And I have to remember that, you know, food thoughts are going to come. And to the newcomer, the person just getting abstinent, but the promises are when we work the steps, and I'm talking step 10, not step one, two, or three, so to get busy working these steps, we'll recoil from it as a hot flame, which means now I know what's going to burn me. This time I can say, you're not going to burn me this time, mother effer. I know what's going on. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to work with somebody else because that's what the big book tells me to do. And today, thank God I'm following directions. Thank God I'm living in the promises. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Kelly. Yes, in Oklahoma. Larry, I can't think of your first initial for some reason. Rebecca. It's Larry Kay. <laughs> Rebecca, I love yeah, you moderate. You're very kind and gentle. Thanks so much. The um, Yeah, Bill knew something about uh, recovering here, you know, because he was talking about um, – you know, the, all these people that would die because they would not know how to get well. Bill, Bill knew something through his limited experience at that point about how to get well. He knew that recovery was, was about a shift from the informational to the transformational. 
that this was this was how we were going to get access to a power. It was a, he, he knew that his spirit had been renovated and he was going to carry the message to someone else so that it can stay renovated. And he knew that, that insight and self-knowledge didn't bring about whatever awakening he had. In fact, it was just the opposite. With an awakening, insight kind of flooded in like a tidal wave for him. And it was about the emergence of a God-centered consciousness that rose up from this sort of dormant self-centeredness. And and he was going to carry the message, whether it was received or delivered, he was going to try. And in my mind, surrender is less this notion of, of like hoisting the white flag of defeat. You know, rather, it's more akin to liberation and letting down these defensive barriers that were blocking, you know, blocking us from God. And so he, he was going to carry this message to someone, didn't know who. And, it, and, and, and you know, he, but he needed to find someone who's going to go all out on this thing, as he did. The surrender process is kind of interesting because, um, you know, as long as, as, as Bill held on to the idea that, he, that his ego was just fine, it was going to remain frozen, stuck. Remember, they talked about the icy intellectual mountain that we shiver under. See, that icy intellectual mountain had to melt. And, you know, it it was interesting because the one thing in my experience is that he he would need to find someone that was yearning for surrender. Why? Because when we yearn for something, we cannot help but take action on the heels of that yearning. It's a very natural process. And he, he just had to find someone that, like him, would provide the facilitative conditions for surrender to occur. We don't bring the surrender about. It occurs by taking the actions through submitting to the actions. And so he found that guy. And, and then you know what happened? Something we call recovery. It happened. A rebirth. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks, Larry Kay in Illinois. Charles. Did you want to share? Perhaps not. Craig F. Hi, this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thanks for calling on me. Um, you know, the story of uh, of, of Bill is... Uh, uh, is very interesting. The uh, Bill uh, had his white light experience in December, sometime in December the year before, and this has taken place uh, around around my birthday, around the 9th of June, uh, a couple of days before uh, Dr. Bob gets sober. So Bill's been sober for six months or, or more, and during that period of time, he he drug a lot of drunks off of bar stools and took them to uh, Oxford group meetings. He was out uh, uh, trying to get other people sober, and it didn't work. He not sobered up one other guy, and and yet today this is going to work. And one of the things Bill said is that the difference the difference was that this was a, not about getting the next guy sober. That this was really about keeping himself sober, that he, he finally came to understand that, that uh, 
you know, he was he he was tempted to drink. He he was uh, heard those glasses tinkling in that bar, and he was tempted to drink. And so he was doing this. He wasn't dragging a drunk off a bar stool to get that drunk sober. He was doing this to keep himself sober. We call that enlightened self-interest. And, um, you know, that that changes our attitude about a lot of things when we think about it. It ought to change my attitude about sponsoring. Uh, I, I don't sponsor because I have think I have any power to get somebody sober. I don't sponsor because I, I think that I have any magic or uh, or, or any uh, great uh, great things to share other than just, you know, what I've been given. Um, but I, I sponsor because, uh, because it keeps me out of the food. Uh, and, and I'm reminded again of the bottom of page 14 and the top of page 15 that says, if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink, and if he drank, he would surely die. The faith would be dead indeed. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. And so here he is, you know, self-sacrifice and work with others. He didn't go in the bar and sit and, and find camaraderie. He 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 did he did the work and. Uh, he had no idea who, whether he was going to meet somebody that was willing or not willing. He had no idea whether he was going to meet somebody that was going to uh, refuse to talk to him. But it was the simple act of stepping out and carrying the message that was going to keep him sober. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Craig S. from Oklahoma. Leah S. Somebody's rustling papers. Leah S. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Am I being heard? Yes. Go right ahead. Yes. Thank you very much. My name is Leah S., and I'm recovered and grateful in Brooklyn, New York. I'm probably going to reiterate everything that everyone said, but what Bill, what Bill, what happened to Bill is what happened to me. The day of reckoning, the day when I really, really had to make that decision the day that I binged my head off and said, how old are you, Leah? How many times are you going to promise yourself, Leah? What is step one over here, Leah? And watching all that, you know, going through uh, the first Halloween, guess what? I did it. But how did I do it? How did I do it? I picked up that phone in the rectory that means i reached out i did something else i did something that i didn't usually do and and here's the here's the punchline what i didn't understand is that when i help someone i'm not only helping that person but i'm actually helping myself because I, when I'm going to talk to you, I'm not going to tell you something that I don't believe in. I'm going to tell you what I have been through and what has helped me. So I'm not going to lie about this because this is me. This is, this, is, this is who I am, you know. 
and 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 I'm I'm getting to make a, a relationship with you, and uh, not only a relationship with you, but I actually do want to help myself. So here it is. It's not only a diet. It's it's nurturing your body, and it's nurturing your soul. And that I did not understand when I came in the first time. But we trudge and we learn and we live and we learn. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Leah S. from New York. Okay, if you haven't shared on A Vision for You on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the fourth paragraph on page 154 in the Big Book of AA, but what about his responsibilities through and lifted the receiver, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Michelle G. Michelle G. Kim A. Kim A. Jennifer C. Jennifer C. Kathleen W. Is it Kathleen W.? Yes. Gotcha. Crystal P. Crystal P, was it? Yes. Great. Okay, that's wonderful. Go right ahead, Michelle G. Good morning. This is Michelle G. in Boston. I recovered compulsive eater bulimic. I don't really know what I want to say. I just wanted to jump in because I um I really I really love the imagery in this. Um, the you know his his vulnerability that the um the the yeah the imagery the visual of being there with the the you know the temptation the the draw of the of the bar and the glitter and the noise and the excitement, the pull there versus um, versus recovery versus, um, you know, boredom versus not excitement and, um, and being new, like being newly recovered um, six months, it just floors me. I just, I smile when I read this because I, I just remember that, um, that place of of vulnerability and and the newness of his relationship to his creator you know it talks about that somewhere in the book um about um like the fragility of 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 the new relationship with our creator that you know at that moment maybe it's step 11 like that you know having just recently opened up this relationship with our with our creator um we have a we have um god i'm fumbling here um it's a new tentative relationship and i and and how how do how do i trust that like how do i know when i'm that new when i'm not freshly out of my my hell um how do i trust that and 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 that's grace right there, you know. For whatever reason, he had a pause. He had enough of a pause, you know. I mean, I'm I'm powerless, but I'm not helpless. And like, and I can see that in these words here. That's like at that moment, there's that pause, and and that's a God shot. And 
it's so easy to just bulldoze past those. I can think of like every moment in my life when I would bulldoze past those moments. But now looking back in hindsight, there's so many times where those there those God shots where um, I can either pause and 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 embrace it, or I can do what I always did and and turn on a heel and go towards the excitement and the and the, the glitter and the glam. And it was just, um, you know, the same thing over and over again. So I just I just love the image there, um, him walking towards um, <clears throat> faith. And somebody commented the other day about like, you know, we we you know we don't give the tools enough credit in this, and then I definitely don't. But the picking up of the phone is like, you know, one alcoholic helping another. You know, um, it's that that God line. It's that. Um, you know, God works through other people, and um, and he doesn't have a he doesn't have a cell phone where he can go scrolling through and like pick and choose what. Thank you. What names he's going to go? He's like he's really. This is such a God shot. So I just I love this imagery. Um, thanks for letting me share. Pass. Thank you, Michelle G. Kim A. Kim A. Hi. This is hi, this is Kim A from New York City. Thanks. In um the first paragraph of working with others, they use the word immunity, right? That we will get immunity from compulsive eating, from working with other people. They don't say that we will get immunity from compulsive eating by planning out our food and weighing and measuring it and avoiding sugar and bringing our food places. That may work for some people. But that never worked for me, and it doesn't say anything about that in the big book. What we know from studying the big book is that we go to food for ease and comfort because of our selfishness. And this immunity from compulsive eating comes from working with others because it's getting us out of our selfishness. That's like the whole point of steps 10 through 12, right? It's like a daily or, you know, multiple times throughout the day, working of those action steps, four through nine, right? Any time that I'm feeling resentful or any time that I'm obsessing over food or what I look like or fear or whatever it is, I'm just being selfish. All of our defects come down to selfishness in some way. And that's what drives me to go to food for eating comfort, not what I'm eating or not eating or how much I'm eating. It was never about that for me. And when I tried to control my food in that way, I didn't find recovery because I wasn't getting down to like those causes and conditions of why I needed ease and comfort. So when we work with other people, whether it's newcomers or, you know, sponsoring, sharing on a meeting, whatever it is, it's been said so many times, it's, it's not just to be helpful, it's because it gets us out of our own shit and our own shit is what need, drives us to food for ease and comfort. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Kim A, New York City, Recovered Available Sponsor. Thanks. Thank you, Kim A. Jennifer C. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, this is Jennifer C, Recovered in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, thank you, everyone, for your shares. And um, when I was reading this paragraph, I just, the third step prayer just kept coming to my heart. Um, and just how integral it is that I keep going back to that third step decision, you know, and I think about the words, God, I offer myself to you. 
to build with me, right? And I know that applies to all areas of my life, but I really see that come alive most in this program. You know, working with others, sharing the hope, investing the time, investing in someone else's healing process, not just because I have to, right? Not just because if I don't, oh, I'm going to end up eating. No, but it's because I want to. Everything goes from a have to to a want to when I live every day carrying God's vision. You know, when I'm in my disease, I have absolutely no capacity to build, right? Like I'm surviving. I'm in damage control. I'm in the obsession. I'm in the bondage. And today, you know, my fear and my worry and my obsessions and my self-centeredness, you know, that can still feed the bondage. It doesn't just have to be the food, obviously, right? Like I need relief from the bondage, my problems and my worries and my wants and my way of life. So the more I tap into this primary purpose, my new primary purpose, which is carrying the message, building, building with God, I get rescued from my own self-centeredness. Because by the time I ever take that first compulsive bite, it is a step up for me. The bondage of self, the self-pity, the trying to figure things out, the dishonesty, the denial, the resentments. By the time I eat, it's because I need relief from all of that because it's so painful. And even though in that moment I know the food is going to get painful, the mental twist only tells me half the story, right? The mental twist only tells me half the story. It shows me the relief, the escape, the distraction from the self-centeredness. But the other half of the story is that I always emerge remorseful and I always emerge wanting my abstinence back. So thank you, God, for this design for living. And I'll just end with this. You know, Bill had an emotional attachment to his work. He cared about the people that he was helping. He cared about what he was doing. He wasn't just checking service off a list. His heart was in it. And he had new desires. And those won out. His new desires won out. And so every day, God, please give us new desires, right? And and may they be, and may they take over in our hearts today. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Jennifer. She from South Carolina, Kathleen W. Good morning. This is Kathleen W. from Illinois. Um, Thank you so much for your service and for all the sharing that um, has been offered today. Um, I am just absolutely bowled over by all of it Um, and and almost to the point of speechlessness. I've been in recovery uh, in in a couple programs since uh, 1994, and I have not really heard the message um, of recovery as I've heard it on this line in the last maybe year and a half, a couple of years that I've been um, part of the, of the vision for you. Um, this, uh, I don't know where to start. I just wanted to claim my seat today. Um, you know, I was thinking about uh, this, you know, he, 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 we have to make a decision. I have a decision every day to make. Um, it's going to be the bar or it's going to be the directory. And, and this has really come down to it for me today. Um, 
I'm seeing things so much clearer. You know, after 10 years of being in OA, after being in another program for many years, um, I came to the point of I do not want to work with another person. I do not want to do any more work. I I don't want to go to any more meetings. This is where I come to. Um, And thank God somebody suggested vision and vision message rescued me. All of those feelings that I had was were an ominous warning for me. And I stepped out one day uh, in September, the end of August in 2020, and uh, introduced myself as a newcomer. And since then, I um, became acquainted with a brand new vision sponsor. And I started having an open mind and a new experience. But it's been terrifying sometimes because you know, I can really, I can really relate to this, uh, you know, his, the fear gripping him. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm new at all this. I'm new at abstinence. I, I was afraid I don't know how to be entirely abstinent. And, you know, I, sometimes I'd have these thoughts, you know, maybe I can handle a little bit of this. Maybe I can handle a little bit of that. And then I, I feel this grip, you know, this fear grip me and, uh, you know, realize I was on thin ice and, you know, this, this program has helped me, you know, when it gets to this point, I need to reach out. I need to work with others. And I asked God, I said, please, God, help me to be willing to work with others. I just wasn't. And I'm going to tell you, as I listen, this willingness is growing in me. When, as I see the vitalness of it in my own life um, to get free from the, the bondage of self and selfishness, self-centeredness. So, you know, making this decision every single day is the bar or the directory. Um, you know, and it's it's time and time again people say the it, it, decision has uh-huh. got to be followed by action. And so I'll just finish with this. Um, a decision without action is just an intention. And, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions for me. So um, I need to make the decision and take the action to work with others. Thank you so much for your sharing. Close. Thanks, Kathleen W. from Illinois. Crystal P. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P., your covered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Um, just listening to this story today just reminded me of uh, what happened to me when I think I was about 60 or 90 days abstinent. You know, I would, uh, my sponsor told me to make, um, you know, make, make calls every day and reach out to people. And I did it because you know, she she told me to do it, so I so I just did it. Uh, I didn't really see why it was important or anything like that. And then I remember this one day I was um, supposed to go out for dinner with my with my best friend, and I was looking at the menu and I was deciding what I was going to eat. And I saw the thing that I wanted to eat. It was going to be a non-abstinent food, um, and I just wanted to eat it. And and you know, the lawyer in my head comes out and he says, "Well, you know." I know it's a non-abstinent food, but you actually haven't talked to your sponsor about this being a non-abstinent food yet, you know, and so you could you could probably eat it one more time and then you're going to talk to her the next day and then from then on it'll be, you know, it, it'll be a binge food so we don't touch it from then on, but today it's fine. And I just knew in the pit of my gut that, that this, like something's wrong here, but I did not want to not eat that food. And I don't know about you, like for me, when that decision gets made, it's like a, it's like a wall goes up around me you know, when it's, when I decide I'm going to eat, nothing can touch that decision. Like, it's just locked in. You could show me my family crying 
horrible, devastating consequences, and none of it matters. I have made the decision to eat. And in that moment, all I could think was, I was at work actually, and all I could think, I'm sitting at my desk and I'm like, all that could come out of me was, God help me. Just that genuine prayer of like, God help me. I've got nothing here. Please help me. And the one thought that came to me is, Crystal, just, just text someone. Text someone from OA. Don't even tell them about the decision. Don't even tell them about the food. Just say something to somebody. And I did. I reached out to somebody. You know, and I just said, hey, uh, you know, I, I you know, hope you're having a peaceful day. And, you know, I just took some, like a little program message. And the next thing I knew, what the thought that came to my mind was of a, a new compulsive overeater who had joined my meeting. She, you know, she was only a couple of days after. And we'd been talking to each other because we were kind of at the same, you know, stage. And, and I was actually able to help her once or twice. And the thought came to me, Crystal, if you eat this food today, if you don't recover, you will be useless to her. And I couldn't believe it. That was enough to make me not want to eat the food. I, I, I can't even imagine that was a miracle to me that I was willing to not eat the food because of that one thought, because of this one compulsive overeater who I didn't even know. And at that moment, I immediately, I called my best friend and like, hey, we're going out to dinner. I just want to commit to you that I'm going to eat this and not this. And, and at that point, like God just came in and, and I ate my absent meal that day and continued just on my journey of recovery. And from that day onwards, I didn't make calls because I had to or because somebody told me to. I was sold because I saw that just me picking up that one tool, what a miracle it it provided me. But today I call happily and gladly. I call on good days and bad days, on days when I'm happy, days when I'm sad, because Hi. every day that I make a call, I'm practicing for the day that I, I genuinely need the call but really, really don't want to make the call. Thanks for letting me share it past. Thank you, Crystal P. With two minutes to go, I am going to share, I figure, rather than opening up the floor, because I do have something to share. Um, This is Rebecca F. as in Fellowship from Connecticut, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And um, the next paragraph, uh, spoiler alert, um, that uh, Bill is going to, get in touch with Dr. Bob, but there's a story that goes behind that. And if I get it right, I hope uh, I do. Um, So Dr. Bob was in the Oxford group and um, he wasn't admitting that he had a problem with alcoholism. And then finally he did. And um, everybody in the group knew he had a problem, but he didn't realize they knew or hadn't fessed up. So um, Henrietta Cyberwing said, let's all pray for you, Dr. Bob. So everybody prayed for Dr. Bob. And um, right after that, Bill, who had been um, formerly pulling people off bar stools and then talked to Lois about it, and she said, well, it's keeping you sober he had a change of heart instead of pulling people off bar stools, which he could have done that day, um, came up with this other idea of going to the church directory. So from what I understand, uh, he had to keep putting nickels in the phone because nobody was picking up. And it took many, many times of putting nickels in that phone till he got, I think it was something like 10 times before, um, the reverend picked up, I'm forgetting his name at the moment, but um, 
he gets a hold of a reverend and he says, um, I'm an alcoholic and I need to talk to another alcoholic. Do you know any? And he said, well, I know someone who might know someone. And he puts Bill in touch with Henrietta Cyberling. And Henrietta says, we've been waiting for your call. And with that, I'll pass. So um, thanks for letting me share. And thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, December 21st, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 18,276. That's 18276. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Craig F. please read this only the end of the page? A lot of noise there. Is that you, Craig? It must be. Thank you. This is Craig Africa, recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to God and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.